Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. And it's not our last episode. No. April Fools. April (laughs) April Fools. We got a few people. We got your Nana. I felt kind of bad for tricking Nana. Did we actually? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, wow, congrats. What a run. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We tricked the Nana. (laughs) (laughs) We got a few people, though, and I feel proud. I text Danielle. uh, For the record, it's still April Fool's Day right now. Yes. in, In recording time. I texted her this morning, like, I want to do something funny, but like, is this lame? And she's like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. It's so fun. good. I forgot I it was April, April Fool's, Fool's until you told me that. Uh, I forgot until I woke up. Or no, I until I was like getting <laughs> the post ready. <laughs> Waking uh, up is the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, so usually I plan our posts like a little bit more in advance of this, but I was just tired. So I was literally doing it this morning at my desk at 8 a.m love it and i was like what's like a national holiday or something because sometimes i look for inspiration on google when I, my brain's just broken and i was like oh my god it's april fools it's perfect it We're wrote leaving. itself it did <laughs> that was so i your picture it said r.i.p i'm like i'm making that my tombstone <laughs> we're just gonna like trace that or engrave that exact image into yes. your tombstone it's gonna be perfect my favorite ever april fools prank was played by stewart himself <laughs> really three years ago when i first started working at where we work uh i was using my computer and i was in excel and it kept like jumping cells on me and like there'd be like typing and it would like erase what i'm doing and i'm like what the fuck is happening and at the time i was very scared of Stuart's boss so i didn't want to like be like tell hey. him something was wrong mm-hmm. so i messaged Stuart. i'm like can you come look at my computer it's doing weird shit and he's like what do you mean and then all of a sudden in our little chat thing like it's typing for me and it's saying like i see you and like all this stuff and i'm like what the fuck is happening <laughs> and then it clicked and i was like Stuart, is this you and he's like what just are you like- talking about <laughs> like is this you right now <laughs> like you stop this right now he had like this little usb thing that you yeah. stick in the computer and it, like, like, takes over your keyboard. Fucking, I was, like, full-on panicking, thinking Russia got into my laptop at work. <laughs> Goddamn Putin. <laughs> it was just Stuart. <laughs> I mean, are we surprised? I'm not surprised. I don't think no. he's ever done an April Fool's prank on me, because he knows I'll probably kill him. Yeah. I used to I used to love doing them. The, oh, my God. I think I made it, might have said this last year, but my sister had two bunnies. <laughs> and I texted her on April Fool's Day saying the bunnies had babies. And oh she's yeah! Like, what the fuck? They're two females. How did they have babies? She's like, send me a picture, and I literally sent her a picture of me with the empty cage, and she responded, "Oh my god, they're so cute." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, what?" What? <laughs> and then on. she starts messaging me like, "Oh, so and so's son is gonna buy one. So and so's gonna buy one." And I called her I'm like, "Bethany, there's no fucking bunnies. Like, what's wrong with you? How high are you?" <laughs> but I, she's just um, not the the sharpest tool in the shed yeah apparently not <laughs> but we love that her one, i felt bad about that one i apparently i disappointed a three-year-old so. <laughs> i mean well that's their problem <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i love april fools i think it's a fun one i like having fun i didn't really do anything like i didn't do anything at all this year to be honest besides the podcast y- yeah i didn't i woke up there's the joke <laughs> yeah exactly that's all I-, I don't have anything today i honestly forgot it was friday so that's happy friday Danielle. <laughs> happy friday to me <laughs> uh i have nothing to bitch about this week so should we just get spooky uh, yeah let's do it <laughs> that was really sad danielle's like on another planet right now <laughs> i'm watching the wind blow on the trees and i'm it's just it's like relaxing and i'm zoning out did you smoke a bowl today too no i did not 
my i drank like 18 monsters so i'm like crashing oh my god <laughs> oh my god so, so so i don't have any like i'm just drinking like like passion tea like i don't have any alcohol and um because i asked Stuart to pick me up wine on the way home because he was stopping and he did not? And no so he went to our like our local grocery store i mean you usually never get drinks there um but he just wanted to do a quick stop and close one to our house and so he goes in and he's at i usually drink like the 19 crimes wine or yeah. this other wine that i can't pronounce but it's a red wine because if i drink white wine i'll drink all of it so <laughs> i drink red wine now so i don't I drink all of feel it feel that <laughs> And uh, they didn't have it. And like, word for word, he was just like, this is what she said. Um, at this store, we only sell wine that's locally made. And 19 Crimes isn't locally made. So we don't support it. And he was just like, okay, bye. <laughs> so I, I didn't get wine. Wait, why didn't she just say, no, we don't have that? <laughs> right. I was like, I was like, okay. Oh god. And, like I, I don't mind. Like I don't, I don't need wine. But it was just easier, so I don't have to go out tomorrow. And, uh, but yeah, he was just like, I wasn't even. He's like, she just wouldn't stop talking, and I just kind of like, you know, so like the Sim- you know, in the Simpsons when they like slowly back out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did that. <laughs> Oh man! Like she's probably still talking. Like let's be real. <laughs> the grapes are grown in <laughs> Ontario. Good things grow in Ontario. <laughs> oh God, that's our slogan for those who don't know. Oh, and also something about business. Something about something I don't discover, even know. isn't it? I don't know. We've got so many useless slogans. Come I didn't to know Ontario like, where your hopes and dreams come to die. Literally. <laughs> I didn't know provinces had like slogans until it was like on like the license plate covers and I'm like, Yeah. This who's is this? Stupid. No wait, Ontario is yours to discover, right? Yeah, something to discover. That's one of them. Uh I literally don't know any of the other ones. I don't. I think uh, yeah. B C is literally just like beautiful B C. Oh, who the fuck who I mean they're not wrong. I but... know, they're not wrong, but like <laughs> come on why yeah a little pizzazz but yeah so this kate let's just let's go back to spooky because this this is wild we're doing the thing again we are doing it um so today we're gonna talk about the hammersmith ghost i'm so familiar excited about i love this one and i completely forgot about it and it popped up on like youtube because buzzfeed like covered it and i was like whoa i totally forgot about this probably um so we're gonna journey all the way back to 1803 um in hammersmith which is like a small village just on the outskirts of london england uh villagers were claiming to be attacked by a ghost uh these people were saying um a person or like a spirit was covered in a white shroud which i don't know what that is when i think of for some reason i think of shroud i think of potato so (laughs) (laughs) say the sentence again they're covered in a white shroud 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 like it's just like a white is it like cloak. a mist. That's, that's like what a, I thought of. That's like what I thought too. But like the pictures show like a white cloaky kind of like like a shawl. Go yeah, something like you know in the the movie. Um, oh my god, they have like a million ghost movies now. <laughs> Fuck me, what is it called? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like Paranormal Activity. Oh, I was gonna say that too, and I wasn't sure. <laughs> and the one I forget which one it is. Like I don't know if it's Paranormal Activity or one of the spinoffs. Oh, and the girl's in like, like the, the black coat. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. I totally know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, but like she's shrouded. Yeah, so, <laughs> so she's covered in potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't know 
I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this person in, like, this white cloak thing would walk up to people, or I guess, like, float up to them, and ins- and assault them. <laughs> like, like- <laughs> that's, another, that's another merch phrase. Or I guess, float up to them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but they would, like, physically hit them. Like, they'd go up and just, like, <laughs> they'd Will Smith it. <laughs> I thought I was sick of Will Smith jokes until this moment. Uh, I'm crying. Uh, I, I, we never make it through the first like two <laughs> sentences of yours. <laughs> I don't know. I oh god. I you probably can't even hear me. I'm just laughing the whole time. So they're probably like you don't even know what joke it is. I said Will Smith is hitting them. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, this ghost comes up and like hits you. Um, but it was actually me as a ghost. That's literally me in my previous life. That's, that's what I do. Um, but anyways, the spirit was pretty pissed for like whatever reason. And it would scare anyone that was passing through this road or roads. Like it was a like, kind of like an area. Um, so it said the spirit would be seen mainly around 1am and the villagers quoted saying, and I quote, the specter seemed to, f- um, float along the fields adjacent to black Lo- uh, lion lane. So that's where it was m- kind of like mainly seen. Um, at first, they had no idea who the spirit was, but it was seen by so many people, they started to believe it was a ghost of a villager who died a year prior. Uh, this person had committed suicide. His spirit was always seen very close to the church, so the villagers believed his spirit was manifesting from the graveyard there. Like, maybe he was buried there. Spooky. Yeah. Um, so there are a few reports of incidents that happened. Uh, there was a pregnant lady who was walking near the graveyard around 10 p.m. She reported a tall white figure rising from one of the tombstones. She started to run away and it chased her down and grabbed her and then she passed out. Uh, she was found by another passerby and they knew who she was so they like, took her home and made sure she was okay. Um there was also what kind of ghost attacks a pregnant lady though uh, a desperate one i don't know <laughs> <That's rude. laughs> right um there was also a horse-drawn like wagon or like carriage so this wagon was pulled by eight horses so it could fit up to 16 passengers and i believe it was full at the time um and then of course like the driver so this wagon was passing by the church graveyard when the driver noticed the spirit it scared him so bad that he jumped off the wagon and took off leaving all 16 passengers and the horses just like chilling there <laughs> would it not have been faster to like gallop Get the it. horses <laughs> you think so you had to take off on foot <laughs> like- <laughs> he's actually use on bolt does he run like characters in scooby-doo where their feet like you know what i mean like they, they don't like, move dust and so yeah <laughs> oh my god i was watching scooby-doo today so fun fact <laughs> and they were uh, shaggy and scooby were trying to run away but they're on the carpet and the carpet just kept like i love that pulling yeah. up so that's exactly what <laughs> that's <I'm picturing>. exactly it <laughs> um so the spirit was seen so much and causing so much chaos ha 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 your post today <laughs> <laughs> that the village <laughs> that the villagers thought that maybe it was actually someone like covered in like a blanket and not actually a spirit um a group of men decided to patrol the area with their little like pew pew guns um there was <laughs> is that a brand or is that a weapon type <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> it just said guns and pew pew gun sounds better um it's not a shotgun it's a pew pew gun it's a pew pew gun <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't actually shoot bullets when you like shoot it, it just goes pew pew <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, uh, i'm so sweaty right now this episode is just 11 minutes of us laughing <laughs> it really is this is our therapy leave us alone <laughs> um so there was like so many paths so like 
I wrote like roads like eight million times in this, but it's like literally a dirt path. They didn't have mm-hmm. like cement back there, so it's not really a road. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so there was like um, a lot of like path. I almost said it fucking again. There's a lot of paths and not enough people to cover the roads because they did it like in groups. Like they wanted to make sure everyone was like grouped up in case like the spirit tried to attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, so one guy said he saw the spirit and chased them, and the spirit actually ran. Um, the guy said the person threw off the white blanket or sheet and took off. He was never able to catch them, um, nor did he see who it was because it was dark, and he never got, like, that blanket or whatever it was. He just saw the guy, like, throw it. So this brings us to Thomas Millwood. So Thomas was 23 years old, working as a bricklayer in Hammersmith. Um, I'm going to explain his uniform because it's important. Um <laughs> Thomas wore white linen trousers, a white flannel top, a white apron, and white shoes. So his whole uniform was white. Yeah. So, um, honestly, if I wore white like that, I would literally just disappear. Like, my skin is so pale. (laughs) I personally could not keep it white. I am a disaster of a person. That, too. That, and, like, if you think about it, like, there's only dirt paths. Like, how did they... I don't know. Was bleach a thing back then? I literally don't know. I don't know. When was bleach invented? Let's Google it. (laughs) Um, So apparently Thomas had been mistaken for the spirit twice before and his family were like, wear a coat to hide your clothes or something. So like the town folk wouldn't think he was the ghost. Oh my God, so funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess if he dies, then it's not funny. But in this moment, it's funny. He spoke too soon, bitch. Damn it. Um. So on January 3rd, 1804, Thomas left his house and was walking on Black Lion Lane, um, which is, again, one of the paths adjacent to this graveyard. Um, And obviously, he did not take his advice, so he was still in his work uniform. Francis Smith was one of the men who was a part of the Pew Pew control groups. (laughs) (laughs) Who who wandered the paths. Now, the men patrolling these areas were supposed to be in groups, as I said, and apparently Francis was getting pissed off that they, were find- they weren't they were finding anything. Um, so this night, Francis decided to go out alone and patrol. Uh, Francis was walking down Black Lion Lane on the night of January 3rd, and it was apparently, like, really dark and really gloomy. Uh, a storm had, like, previously rolled in, making it even more difficult to see. And they only have, like, lanterns back then, right? They don't have, like, yeah. flashlights. Uh, <laughs> so Francis then noticed a white figure walking down the road, or the lane, the fucking path, whatever it is. The dirt. The dirt. Uh, apparently, Francis called out twice to this figure, and the figure didn't respond. Francis started walking towards this white apparition when he got scared and shot the gun at the fig- at, like, his gun at the figure. Uh, Thomas Millwood dropped to the ground. When Francis realized he just shot a person, he freaked the fuck out and ran to get help. Um, he's reported to, yeah, he's been reported to be, was compliant with the cops and he was like obviously arrested. Um, Thomas Millwood was killed by a single gunshot wound that went through his mouth and out the back of his neck. Holy shit. What a shot that like, I I shouldn't say that. That's brutal. But like, (laughs) fucking brutal. Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. Pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) it's brutal man that's awful um so there was no actual witnesses to the murder but there was character witness who said that francis was extremely gentle soul and mild-mannered uh they testified this in court um and also stated francis went out that night with good intentions and definitely never meant to kill a man um francis said he was so annoyed and mad that the group wasn't getting anywhere and finding this person um then when he saw thomas he thought he was the ghost and that he was just so agitated he didn't realize what he was doing when he shot him 
Which is a fucking stupid excuse, yeah, in my opinion, but whatever. So, but, like, what was his plan if it was the ghost? Because, like, it's not going to kill the ghost. Like, right? And it's like... What, <laughs> what was his plan? I don't know. I, I totally understand the defense here, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, in the coroner report, it said the incident was, and I quote, a rash act of willful, willful murder. Um, Francis was charged and had a trial. Francis openly admitted to killing Thomas, but pled not guilty because of the mistaken identity for the ghost, which is like the first ever <laughs> in trial history. <laughs> Probably not the last. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Which is like, again, as you said, why do you think a gun would like kill a ghost anyway? Because it's not yeah, going to do what anything. What was the plan? Right? If the ghost is already dead, your, your pew pew gun ain't going to do shit. <laughs> And this group already said that they think it's a person and not a ghost. So if, like, the only real reason you're out there patrolling this area with a gun would be... to shoot a person. To shoot a person, if you already Mm. think it's not a ghost, so... (laughs) But that brings me to what the judge said and the jury... Or the judge said to the jury in this trial. He is quoted saying, and I quote, However disgusted the jury might feel in their own minds with the abdominal... I don't, yeah, fuck that word. Uh, person guilty of, of the misdemeanor of terrifying the neighborhood. Still, the prisoner had no right to construe such misdemeanor into a capital offense or to conclude that a man dressed in white was a ghost. In this case, there was a deliberate carrying of a loaded gun, which the prisoner concluded he was entitled to fire, but which he really was not. And he did fire it with a rashness, which the law does not excuse. In all of the circumstances of the case, no man is allowed to kill another rash- rashly. So the it's jury, true. yeah, it's very true. Um, there's a lot of like big words because like they talked weird back then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was like holy shit. Um, they use like the full words. They don't use slang, right? It's, I don't like it. <laughs> so the jury returned a verdict of guilty of manslaughter, but the judge was like, uh, no. Uh, so they couldn't. Ex- <laughs> yeah, it was just like manslaughter. No. Um, so they couldn't accept that verdict because Francis was charged with murder. Uh, so they said, um, they couldn't switch it from murder to manslaughter. So the jury had to go back and deliberate and either say he's guilty of murder or he's not. And he's being like acquitted. Um, so there was three judges and the judges decided this because they said that Thomas wasn't, wasn't running away. And even if he was the guy running around pretending to be the ghost, um, that if Thomas was, like, caught and charged with pretending to be this ghost, that he would only be charged with a misdemeanor of nuisance, and it wasn't a capital punishment, so he didn't deserve to die. Yeah. Um, so, like, being a ghost or not, so that's why they're like, no, it's murder. I think that's fair, though. It's totally fair. Um, so the jury went back and chatted and then returned a guilty verdict. Uh, Francis Smith was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death by hanging. Oh, that's... Oh, boy. Now I feel a little bit bad. It's the 1800s, girl. Like, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so now this obviously was very public in the village, and there was a lot of sympathy for Francis. The local newspaper reported on the incident and, like, and the trial. So the report or the newspaper was called the Newgate Calendar. And you can actually see, like, the digital version of the news article of this trial. It's actually really cool. Do they scan it? Yeah, it's digi- It's just, like, a scanned copy of that That's cool. That article. I love finding those. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so it's an insane read, so I, hi- I highly recommend going to find it. And it's, like, the first thing you Google. Um, <laughs> or the first thing that pops up on Google. Um, 
and obviously goes in way more detail than I too. Like Thomas's mom was involved in the trial and she explained how her son was mistaken for the ghost like prior, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So just, it's cool. Go read it. Um, but anywho, uh, they reported on it and Francis, um, uh, and I quote it, like the article is quoted saying, um, Francis, uh, commanded the sympathy of every specter. Um, just saying they, they kind of iterate, read, I can't say that word. They reiterate. That's it. That one. Uh, they basically said that Francis was like a good dude and like it was just a pure accident. Um, so the Lord Chief Baron, who was one of the judges on the trial, took note on how much like public sympathy there was for Francis, um, that he reported the case to the Crown and the Crown took over at that point. After about three weeks, the Crown actually pardoned Francis and he only oh. served one year in jail. Okay. So he didn't have to die, so that's fair. Yeah, I think he should have served time. I think, I think even maybe more than a year, to be honest. Because like, what are you walking around with a gun for like that? But yeah, I don't think he needed to die. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he needed to be hung. That's a bit dramatic. Um, but we still have to have the question of who the fuck was the ghost? Yeah. Um. Well, because of all of this and the murder, this guy named John Graham came forward and said he was the ghost and that everyone was looking for. He was a shoemaker in town and apparently some of his apprentices told his children a scary ghost story that apparently like changed his kids completely like to the core. Um, so he was mad at that and pretended to be the ghost and scare people for revenge, which is like the most petty <laughs> thing ever. And I love it. <laughs> In 1824, so like 20 years later, the Hammersmith ghost was revived, but this one had fire-breathing superpowers. Oh, of course, as they all do. (laughs) Right? Um, So this ghost story was alive and well. Um, This ghost was talked about until 1830 when Spring-Heel Jack took over and became popular tale in Britain. Uh, basically it's like the devil who leaps from roof to roof. Eventually we'll cover, we'll cover him. I'm picturing, do they have like goat legs? Uh... I, I want to say yes, but I saw one depiction of it having, like, elf shoes, and I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. It's seared there. <laughs> <laughs> so this murder case really sparked the debate on the actions in self-defense or, like, mistaken identity and how the law surrounds those cases. Um, it wasn't until eight or 1983 um, when there was another case of someone killing someone in, like, a self-defense um, I'm not sure if the law surrounding that started then, or sorry, 18 or 1883, um, but like the, it kind of just like clarified, but it said, and I quote, in a case of self-defense where self-defense or the prevention of crime is concerned, if the jury came to the conclusion that the, that the defendant believed or may have believed that he was being attacked or that the crime was being committed and that force was necessary to protect himself or to prevent the crime, then the prosecution have not provided their case. So there's more to this, like, quote, but I'd be reading for, like, literally the next 10 minutes. (laughs) But basically they said that all of avenues have to be considered in cases like this where it wouldn't be an automatic, like, death sentence. Yeah. Um, so that's really, it's really interesting. That's where this started from. That is really cool. A, a ghost story started Literally. this, like, and it's something we still like use today is like the, the self-defense claim. Yeah. That's like the, the girl that was, um, that killed her abuser. Yeah. She oh yeah. Jail. Uh, Sintonia. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I am, I, I am a huge advocate of like the people like that do not deserve jail time. Yeah. No. Not like at all. that's, Yeah. But that comes into play, and that's just yeah. 
It's crazy how that started from a ghost story. Yeah, but, that's wild. Yeah. So to end this story is apparently Thomas Millwood still haunts Hammersmith today, like his actual spirit. Um, after he was shot, his body was taken to a local pub in town, and that pub is still a place Pardon? today. <laughs> yeah. Apparently back then it wasn't like a like a pub pub. It was kind of like a farmer's like house kind of thing where they like sold shit out of it. Um, so he was taken back there, but now today it's like an actual pub. But like, why did he get taken to the farmer's market? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they put him in soup, Holly. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, no, he was, he was buried in the graveyard. Everyone's fine. It was a joke. Um, so apparently, again, he was taken back there, but now today it's called the Black Lion Inn. And apparently he still haunts it. Um, there is a plaque at the pub talking about Thomas, and it says that Thomas has haunted this place since his death, but he's also seen in St. Paul's Churchyard, which is the graveyard he was killed by. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Hammersmith ghost was, like, a person that made it up to scare people, and now they actually have and a Hammersmith actually... ghost. Wow. Wild. That's manifestation right there. <laughs> they literally <laughs> created this themselves. That's crazy, though. This one yeah. was fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this one. It's just, it's not. It's so ours are kind of similar again this week by accident. That's fucking weird. In like a weird, so in the way that um, yours, they literally created a like ruling and law about uh, self defense, and mine, mm-hmm. they created a psycho- psychological terminology of sorts. Ooh. So How it's do we kind do of, this? It's kind of similar. But no, I do like that they literally like spoke the. It's almost like. Um, I want to say it's a supernatural episode, probably, where like whatever you're you're thinking, it starts to happen. Is oh that, yeah, am I, definitely. Am I thinking, yeah, yeah, that's what it made me think of. I like that, that one. I actually like that. That's cool. But yeah, that is the Hammersmith ghost, and we got to go there because that's fun. That's another one on our bucket list. Yes, our ever growing bucket list. We're gonna be um, so poor by the end of this bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're making all these plans for this. Yes. Yeah. So like, we're definitely not spilling any beans but like this is definitely not the last episode as we said we're actually gonna be starting some fun new things possibly maybe possibly maybe we'll see how it goes and if we're it doesn't the go very then... early planning stages so we're yes. excited about it get pumped um, guys so i put on my yelly hat this week and i wanted to do something like historical so i went for a trip back in time yeah uh and this one creeped me the fuck out and there's a little bit of a fallout boy reference so i i had to do it <laughs> oh gosh i love yeah. this um so also weirdly enough the girl's last name sounds like your last name <laughs> does it actually yeah so today we're talking about the papin sisters so p-a-p-i-n oh, that's crazy yeah uh and their horrific crimes so before we get into what they did um i'm gonna go into their family tree a little bit because it kind of explains a lot about this whole situation okay so the papin family was born and raised in le Mans, france 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 France. We, before uh, this episode we were talking how holly didn't look up any of the words but she's like she graduated with like a french i'm in high school bilingual yeah technically <laughs> and the first french word she <laughs> already fucked up. the word france too yeah, like, france. <laughs> like, out, of, out of everything <laughs> but, um so yeah this uh so the the crime took place in the 1930s, uh, but they the parents met way back in like the ni- like I think it was 1900 where the parents met. So their mother was Clemence Deray, and their father was Gustave Papin. 
Uh, Clemence was allegedly unfaithful to Gustave from like day one, like while they were dating even. And like apparently the whole town knew, but Gustave didn't care because he was in love and he was like, everybody's just lying because they don't want me to be happy. Um, he was take dumb. Take those rose colored <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say take the rose colored glasses off, but no, he's dumb. It was way better. He's, he's, yeah. Uh, literally everybody knew. Um, so when Clemence became pregnant in 1901, the two got married and welcomed their first child, Amelia, the following year. I love that name. I hate that I love that name. I know. And it's been in like a few episodes I've done lately. And this one is also spelt with an E, which I really like. Um, so the little family was happy, but Gustav started to ponder on those rumors after the birth of their daughter. Um, I think there was like a rumor that the daughter wasn't his and he was like, what if? Um, so he it decided- took you till that to figure that yeah. out. Okay. <laughs> He's like, maybe. <laughs> uh, he decided to take a job in another town, which would move the family out of Le Mans. Uh, and as one does, Clemence threatened to kill herself if he made her move, which only furthered her su- his suspicion that she was having an affair with someone in town. Um, so after two years of fighting, she finally caved and the family moved away. Two and years. After- two years. Where she like literally was like, if you make me leave this town, I'm going to jump off a cliff. And he stayed with her. <laughs> That's fucking dramatic. Um, so their relationship began deteriorating like right away after they moved. Uh, they did have two more children who I will get into in a moment. And Clemence showed no affection towards them or her husband. She became very violent and unstable. And to make matters worse, Gustav turned to alcohol to cope. So neither parent was in a really good place. Oh did right she now. have like mental health issues? Um, if she didn't, then she's really just like a spiteful person. Okay. Cause to me, it's, it's coming off as mental issues, but it could also be, you made me move away from my lover. So now I'm going to be an absolute monster to you kind of thing. Yeah. That too. And okay. I can't tell. I couldn't find enough about her to say for sure either way. Okay. Um, so when Amelia was 10 years old, they sent her away to a Catholic orphanage. Uh, while she was there, Amelia alleged that her father had sexually assaulted her, and that's why she was being sent away. This was never confirmed, but it seemed to have a serious effect on the young girl. She went on to join a convent and become a nun. And oh. that was the last we hear of her. Is she's a nun. Uh, so this story is about Amelia's sisters, Christine and Leah Papin. Uh, Christine was born in 1905 and was the middle child. Soon after she was born, her parents gave her away to her dad's sister, where she lived happily for seven years. When she turned seven, she too was sent to a Catholic orphanage. Uh, Wait, she also why are they sent to like orphan? What? Uh, literally the parents just couldn't take care of them anymore between like, uh, Clements having breakdowns and Gustav drinking and stuff. They were just That's like, terrible. fuck it. And I guess this is like the 1900s and I guess it was like normal to just like pass your kids around. That's so um, at some point, Amelia included all three of their kids were sent to different family members. Like the, the parents didn't really have much to do with them. Wow. Uh, and all of the kids were treated well in the first homes they were sent to. So like the family members, but there's not much known about the orphanages mm-hmm. and it's can only imagine that they were not that great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's a really weird, I'm going to talk about it at the end, what I think about it. Um, but yeah, it's a really weird upbringing that they had. So she was sent to an orphanage. She also tried to join a convent, but uh, Clemence decided to show up out of the blue after like 10 years. And she told her that she could not do that. Um, I personally would have tell her, told her to like shove it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Get out of the way. Get away um, from me. Yeah. Instead, Clemence put her to work. Uh, she would get odd jobs as like cooks and maids and stuff like that in people's houses Uh, and she started gaining the reputation of a troublemaker she had quote a strong personality and was known to talk back to her employers um 
Leah, the other, the younger, no, older, yeah, younger sister. Uh, she was born in 1911, <laughs> and she was the youngest of the three girls. I'm so dumb. <laughs> it's, it's been a day. <laughs> uh, so she was described as quote below average intelligence and was very quiet and kept to herself and didn't really say much to any anybody in the house or anything. Um, she was the polar opposite of Christine and was really well behaved. Uh, despite this, she was shipped off to her uncle's until he died, and then she too went to an orphanage until she was 15 years old. In 1926, the girls landed uh, a live-in job together at a wealthy, or sorry, with a wealthy retired lawyer and his family back in their hometown of Le Mans. Um, so the Lancelin family, oh God, (laughs) Lancelin family. Uh, so the husband was Rene. He was the retired lawyer, his wife, Leonie and their daughter, Genevieve. Uh, they housed the girls while they were employed as cooks and maids in the beginning. Things were great. Everyone got along well, although the Papin sisters were known to mostly keep to themselves. Uh, the family never had any troubles with them and Christine kept her sass to herself this time and didn't get herself in trouble with her employer. (laughs) Good job. Um, (laughs) <laughs> we're learning but on all reports the the family treated them well and treated them as equals and their pay was good and all of that so they seem to have gotten a good stable job in 1933 after six years of living with the Lancelin family things took a horrific turn by this time christine was 27 and leah was 21 just just so we're keeping up with timelines here um, on February 2nd, 1933, Leonie and Genevieve came home from shopping around 5.30 p.m. The house was dark, and the Papin sisters explained that uh, an iron had blown the electrical circuit, which I felt so dumb. I did not know they had electricity in 1933. I, okay, I'm not the I was like, I was like, they have electricity back then? <laughs> but then I was like, well, my dad was born in the 50s, and they definitely had electricity then, so like, maybe they did. <laughs> let's google it like what even happened in the early 1900s i'm googling it right now are you can you tell danielle and i skipped history class i don't think i ever attended a single fucking history class he passed me though so i mean like obviously i never failed yeah i think people are just sick of me (laughs) let's see um 1882 was when it was invented wow but but only in 1925, half of the homes in the U.S. had power in their So homes. it was like a rich people had power kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. We're that learning is... today, you guys. Right? Um, so, yeah, they, they blew a circuit, which I didn't know they had. Um, and apparently this was happening often. So Leone was really pissed. Uh, she snapped on the girls over this because she had just taken the iron to a repair shop the day before. Nothing was wrong with it. Um, so... Leonie was never outwardly, like, abusive towards the girls, but she was known to be, like, a nitpicker when it came to the housework and the cooking. Uh, She was one of those, like, she wore white gloves just to walk around the house checking for dust and, like, making sure they're dusting to her standards and stuff. So fucking annoying. And she would, like, give them heck all the time if, like, the cooking wasn't how she wanted and whatnot. Um, Annoying, yes. An excuse for what I'm about to tell you, absolutely not. There's a huge, big old flashing graphic warning for this episode. Oh, God. Um, And the, yeah, it's gross. So (laughs) while Leone was going off about this iron, Christine snapped. She tackled Genevieve, who was standing near her mother, and literally tore her eyes out with her bare hands in front of everybody there. She yelled at Leah to grab Leone while she ran downstairs to fetch a knife and a hammer. Uh, While she was doing that, Leah gouged Leone's eyes out, too. What? I didn't even know you could do that with your bare hands. Um, 
You have to have a lot of pent-up anger to probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. So Christine returned to the scene and began bashing the women and slashing them with the knife. The whole incident spanned over 30 minutes and left the Lancelot women horrifically mutilated. There are crime scene photos. I will not be posting them. But holy fuck. I'm um, assuming they're black and white, though. Or they are. They're not, like, they're not as brutal as they could be. Like, but you get if it was in color and, you know, iPhone quality, and you know, you'd, you'd see a lot more. But, like, you see enough. I'm going to Google um, it. I want to see it. Go. You you can handle it. I believe you could handle it. Um, I also saw in one of the articles I read that the girl, the, the victims were found with their skirts, like, pulled up and their underwear removed. But back in that day, it was, like, highly inappropriate to have your junk out like that. So yeah. the, they, like, pulled the skirts down for the photos. How do you which, spell their last name? Um, L-A-N-C-E-L-I-N. Oh, I think she found it. <laughs> the face. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Oh, the one in the back, you can so tell. Yeah. There's, like, there's quite literally no face left. Yeah. Um, so they were completely mutilated. Uh, so Mr. Lancelot came home around seven-ish with Genevieve's husband in tow. I don't know. I don't think I mentioned this, but Genevieve was an adult and not a child. So she was married and just lived with her parents because they were rich. And honestly, I respect that. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> so the door was locked from the inside, but they could see just one light on in one of the bedrooms upstairs. They were afraid to enter, so they went to the police for help. And honestly, good thing they did because police walked in on an absolute nightmare of a crime scene. Um, I'm just going to say graphic warning again because I am going to describe the injuries somewhat um so most of the injuries were on the faces and heads of the victims but for some reason christine had flipped genevieve over and slashed up both of her legs up to like her butt cheeks her buttocks her That's i don't so know how to, weird Why? i don't know how to say that appropriately but like it was her butt like it's yeah butt. it was her butt she slapped did could you see in the picture how it was like yeah I didn't slit. see that. I, I didn't look that. I was just looking at the face, to be honest. Yeah, so the one in the foreground uh, is the daughter. Wow. The, wow. Yeah. Very weird. Um, yeah, maybe I should just post it. I've talked about it enough at this point. <laughs> uh, flipped upside down. Okay. Uh, so their faces were completely unrecognizable and fragments of tooth and bone were scattered throughout the room. Uh, they found their eyes near the bodies. I'm just going <laughs> to leave that part at that. Um <laughs> yeah uh initially the police thought the papain sisters were victims too so they were searching the home expecting to find another room full of horrors uh they made their way to the maid's quarters and the door was locked from the inside so they called a locksmith to bust it down and behind the door christine and leah were found in bed completely nude with the bloody hammer on a chair in the corner of the room without hesitation they told police what they had just done um and to be fair some versions of the story said they had like robes on but like according to police they were completely naked in the bed um so they were arrested and taken into custody where the story took another wild twist uh christine sorry i scrolled too far again christine became completely unhinged when they separated the sisters and refused to participate in any questioning uh she was like throwing fits and stuff just like losing her marbles okay um and finally, they allowed to meet with her sister in exchange for their cooperation. It was during this time that investigators alleged that the girls spoke to each other in a way that, quote, implied a sexual relationship. Um, Ew, what the fuck? Yeah. At this point, they called in three different psychologists to examine the girls to determine whether or not they were fit to stand trial. Um, the doctors somehow decided they were good to go. 
Oh. Uh, Do I think they should have been, like, like, you know, put away for what they did? Yes. But I think there's very obvious signs of mental health issues here. Definitely. Um, So the evaluation stated that the sisters had no pathological mental mental disorders and no family history. No family history. What about their mother, who was, like, a raging psycho? And then their alcoholic and, father. And yeah. it's just like, what do you mean, no family history? <laughs> um, so the doctors... looking ex- at the right history? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were looking at, like, the Lancelin family. Um, so the doctors explained that their unusual close bond caused them to act out in unison. So they kind of... Uh, they basically said it was, like, a pack mentality, where Leia saw Christine attacking, therefore she attacked okay. kind of thing. Like, follow um, leader. Yeah, exactly. I want to know who gave these doctors their licenses, personally. Seriously? <laughs> Can I get one? Yeah. That sounds really easy. Um, really. Uh, at the trial, it took the jurors a whole 40 minutes to find Christine and Leah guilty. Uh, Leah received a 10-year prison sentence, with the courts finding her to be, uh, like, an unwilling accomplice of sorts. They basically said that because she was, quote, below average intelligence, and she looked up to Christine as a parent figure, she didn't know better in that moment. Um, So she still got 10 years, uh, but Christine was sentenced to death, and that was eventually changed to life in prison. Uh, So this case was huge back in the day, and no one had really seen a murder of this nature in France during this time period. Um, It's also really rare to see, like, one, women killing, two, sisters killing, three, three, two sisters killing together. Like, it's just a really rare case. Yeah. And it's rare for women to be that brutal with their murder. So it was just, yeah, it blew up. People were like, what the fuck is going on? And all sorts of experts from psychotherapists to philosophers started to write theories on what drove the girls to kill. Um, most saw the crime as a reflection of the class divide. So the girls were poor. They were raised in horrible conditions. They worked as servants for a wealthy family. Uh, and they basically said that they were like, uh, they reacted out of a place of oppression, sort of. Okay. Um, but on the opposite side of the coin, some pointed out that the girls lived with the family for six years and they were treated like family there and they had a good salary. Like uh, they made more than the average maid and cook would make. Mm-hmm. Um, so the obvious red flag here is the girls upbringing. So while they were loved in the homes they were sent off to, they didn't get to stay there for very long before being shipped off to orphanages. Uh, so they had a disrupted childhood and any positive bond that they made with their aunts and uncles or whatnot was taken away and they were shipped to an orphanage so that's gotta they don't know how to have a bond with anybody else you know what i mean yeah and it was usually around like the same time to you said like six or seven years and they had been there at this place for six years so maybe they're like oh my god now we're gonna be shipped away because oh my god because now that's what happened before that's what i think that's genius i didn't even think of that it's like a pattern yeah but maybe they didn't like intentionally be like this is what's going to happen, but they kind of, like, their their mind was just like, so it's been six years, so, like... Leone was yelling at them, so yeah. maybe they were like, holy shit, we're going to get fired, they're going to kick us out. Yeah. Like, it was, oh my god. Like, it's like a stressor. I'm thoroughly shook. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, you made a good point. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> she can't talk English, but sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes my brain sometimes functions. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Wow, that was that's actually a really good theory. Um, so at the trial, there was a fourth doctor. I don't think he was one of the ones who like deemed them whether or not they were fit to stand trial. I think he was just kind of brought as like a, an expert on the stands kind of thing. Okay. So he testified with another theory. So 
he said if it was up to him, the girls would be deemed unfit to stand trial, but he had no say. So he determined that the girls had formed a shared personality to help them deal with their trauma, with Leah sort of dissolving into Christine, if that makes sense. So because Leah was the quiet, meek one, she just sort of shed her personality and became one with Christine. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like a constant state. So he basically said that like in that moment, their two personalities split into one, Oh, but then they okay. could go back and like not be, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, That's kind of crazy. So psychotherapists didn't have a term for this at the time, but it was eventually declared to be a shared paranoid disorder, disorder which is known as folie deux. Which is a follow boy oh, album. Whoa, is that why they named it? Yeah, it's um, <gasps> yeah. So uh, Pete Wed's actually talked about it back in the day, and I think he, the way he spun it is like two people crazy in love kind of thing. Okay. But it's actually where you have a shared paranoid disorder where you like literally become this one paranoid personality. That's crazy. Yeah. So from I'm all never going to be able to like look at that, uh, listen to that album. And it's going to be a, to- it's I'm going to go listen album. to that. It's I like great that album. album. It's one yeah. of my favorites, but I'm going to go listen to it in a different light now. Everyone's <laughs> all like, take this to your grave or nothing. And like, you know what? Give, give that one a chance. Yeah. Um, so from an article on all that's interesting.com, the definition of this disorder, uh, quote, this condition tends to occur in small groups or pairs who become isolated from the world. They often lead an intense inward looking existence with a paranoid view of the outside world. It's also typical in shared paranoid disorder that one partner dominates the other, Mm -hmm. and the Papin sisters seem to be a perfect example of this. The symptoms of the shared paranoid psychosis included hearing voices, a sense of persecution, and a capability for inciting violence in perceived self-defense against imagined threats, as well as inappropriate expressions of sexuality. So yeah, they kind of hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like to the T. (laughs) And I think uh, to an extent what Christine did to Genevieve was sort of an expression of sexuality just because of the area that she did it in Mm -hmm. and like the way their skirts were pulled up and everything. I think that was another like violent sexual thing yeah uh so i think that i think that their father was abusing them to be honest because yeah. Amelia did have that claim back in the day um and they seem to not i mean there was an alleged affair between the two sisters so i'm gonna guess that they did not have a, a healthy understanding of sexuality um so yeah the Pepin sisters uh never really revealed their true motive for the crime but i am leaning heavily towards the shared paranoid personality disorder theory um, so despite being the alleged ringleader, Christine completely fell apart in prison without her sister. She suffered from serious mental health issues and swung between manic and depressive episodes. So she would have fits, but then she would go almost in like a, what do they call it? Like a catatonic state where okay. like she's almost like not there anymore. Yeah. Um, eventually she refused to eat and was transferred to a mental facility. She continued to starve herself there until she passed away in May of 1937. Um, so four years basically. Uh, Leah actually did quite well in prison. She was described as a, quote, exemplary inmate and was released two years early in 1941. Um, She went on to live with her mother in, I did not look this up, Nantes. Oh, God, she went back to her mom? She went back to her mom for some strange reason. Um, She changed her name and worked as a housekeeper at a hotel. There were reports that she'd passed away in 1982, but in the year 2000, a man named Claude Ventura claimed that he found Leah living in a hospice center in France. So he was making a documentary about the sisters. 
And he found a woman named Leah living at this uh, hospice, but she had suffered a stroke and was unable to speak. Uh, So she was unable to confirm whether or not she was actually Leah Papin, but she was a 90-year-old woman named Leah who I guess vaguely fit the description. description. (laughs) Um, And that woman passed away in 2001 at 90 years old. Uh, So yeah, really fucked up case. That's insane. Also, yeah. you know how you said that we kind of ha- did, like, the same thing? We yeah. also did the same thing because both of our cases are across the pond. Yeah. Crazy. We're taking Europe today. We are. But because that... in Europe, right? Oh, God. What? Is the UK considered Europe? Yeah, I think so, yeah. We're going with it. But, yeah, I just thought it was cool that we both... So, your case, they sort of created the self-defense claim in court. Yeah. And then mine, they created this folie mm. de which is insane look at us go i love when we do this right (laughs) maybe we have it but we not haven't murdered anybody oh my god we don't have it (laughs) (laughs) um also listen to that follow boy album if you haven't heard it yet it's so good fuck you if you don't like follow boy (laughs) i really i really want to know if that was her though like you know when you want to know something so bad you would do anything to figure it out i want to know if that was actually leah or leah Leah. oh in the yeah i know i guess there's no way that we'll ever really know um i don't i don't know what i believe i guess i'd have to watch this guy's documentary and see his like reasoning why he believes it's her. her yeah uh it could just be like this guy trying to get attention for his documentary and you just but, found some girl named leah who had a stroke yeah. so she can't but talk <laughs> 90 is not like an unrealistic age to live to especially no. in like the time period she died in 2000 so that was like pretty modern medicine yeah. And it's just, it's just crazy that she went back to her mom, which is like, like, I feel like it's bananas, right? I think though, Leah didn't know how to care for herself. Like she, she went from her, I think she was the one at the uncles and then she went to the orphanage and then she went right to the Lancelin family. Like she's never really had to like take care of herself and she's the quiet meek one. Right. So I think she just needs anything to latch onto whether or not they're toxic. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. holly in uh, her early 20s (laughs) (laughs) you had your six years and then you're done (laughs) on that note come be friends with us because we're not ending the podcast just 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 gonna keep driving that home (laughs) yeah we're still gonna be back every week just to annoy you guys um (laughs) our instagram is a spooky hour podcast our twitter is at spooky hour um, Kylo, can you get out of my sweaters? Hello. Your whole head is Hi, in my sweater. She's like, aw. That's all I hear. Attention. That's all I hear is her. <sighs> <laughs> Does it smell good? She's living her best life. What? Oh, yeah. And the email is the spooky hour podcast at 66gmail.com. I got distracted by my dog sniffing my clothes. <laughs> Come say hi to Kylo. Drop her a note. Yeah. We love Kylo. We do. Uh, have a wonderful week and stay spooky, friends. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.